Hello, this is Joe. Uh, quick message. We've got a few Father's Day card offers over at chatterwickshop.com. If you buy any of our lovely merchy merch, you can qualify for a free exclusive Chatterwicks card simply by using the code CHATTERWICKSDADS at the checkout. Go on, why not buy your dad a lovely bit of Chatter merch? Cups, hats, and the rest. Uh, and we've got a couple of special gift offers as well, so go and have a look at chatterwickshop.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. You're recording. recording. Yeah. So, could you tell us who we're talking to today, Joe? Yes, I can. Uh, we're talking so to Simon, New- Simon, Simon Newton. Well, we've spread. And what, who is Simon Newton? Simon Newton. Who is Simon Newton? I'm going to go to his website. Uh, I mean, he what, is a what bodyguard. Really, obviously really intrigued us. He's, he's worked as a bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> That's what well, he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he's done lots of yeah, things, yeah. hasn't he? He was in the uh, yeah, he was he was a soldier and stuff, wasn't he? In, in Iraq and things like that. But he... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, is that is that like a noddy way of saying? That, I don't he? know. But basically, we heard about him. He was he's bodyguard for Michael Jackson. Yeah, and that's let's all not we beat around the bloody bush. No, yet. that's that's uh, that's it. Yeah, we heard that. I didn't. We didn't hear anything else, did we? We went. Let's talk to him. And also then, when we were discussing stuff, we want to know what it's like to be a tough nut, don't we, really? Yeah, I mean, my thing is just the bodyguard for Michael Jackson is just... you could, If we can talk about deal or no deal for five hours, you can talk about that for... <laughs> like, what is... Oh, did you watch The Bodyguard when it was on? The drama? Whitney Houston? Thing. No, the BBC drama. Oh, yes, I did, yeah. That yeah. was great. It was really good. That's my review. <laughs> <laughs> Please answer that to him. Did you watch no. the BBC drama and did you enjoy it? I'll be honest with you, Simon's got a cracking body. Can You can tell that through his clothes, can't you? Bloody hell. He really has. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Going down this route quite quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. Honestly, right. Fucking hell. Oh, uh, okay. Wow. <laughs> Carry on, David. <laughs> oh, man. Hello. Simon. Hello, Simon. How are you? I'm good. How are we doing? All right? Yeah, we were, just talking about your, we were just talking about your figure. Oh, I'll be honest with you, Simon. <laughs> I was a little blown away. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like that all year round, but... Well, Dave, yes, David's in the middle of a 14-day, uh, two-week diet. D- Sorry, welcome, Simon. I'm 14 Hi, days Simon. into How an eating plan. <laughs> <laughs> how's that going i'll be honest with you i saw there's a picture of you walking down the road in a red jacket and i thought my wife would bloody love that 
and then you've just appeared on Zoom. <laughs> I'm not feeling bad. No. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the podcast. That's all right. Welcome. I was looking forward to this one. Oh, great. Well, we we uh, we found out that you were um, Michael Jackson's bodyguard, and we went bananas. Yeah, I mean it's quite a few years ago now, but I was for a while. Yeah, we I did. Yeah. When was that? Uh, 2006. He came to London for the World Music Awards. Hang on. Sorry. Oh, right. So you had him what? Well- yeah. Right. Sorry, I'm getting excited. <laughs> we're getting carried away, yeah. aren't we? Basically. Um, so, how long were you? How long were you looking after him then? How many days? Yeah, that was only a two week visit. I was working in Afghanistan at the time for the Foreign Commonwealth Office as a bodyguard. Um, I'll just come right, back. What, is, yeah, go what did that involve? What did that involve, um, Simon? Sorry. <laughs> Hang on a minute. On. I don't know. Basically, I don't know how to interview people. <laughs> I don't know if you gathered. There's a lot. There's a lot of jumping around. <laughs> <laughs> Irritating, isn't it? <laughs> right. When you were in your early twenties, what were you doing? Um, early twenties, I was. So let me start from roughly when I left school. It's probably yeah, slightly easier. Um, I wasn't the best at school. wasn't the best uh, academically at all. I didn't really finish yeah. with any GCSEs, which uh, I don't know if it's called that anymore, but it was back then. Um, yeah. The first job I ever had was um, was as a bear. I used to dress up as a bear at the local fair down in Eastbourne, where I used to live at the time. Eastbourne, nice. Yeah, that's where I'm originally from, Eastbourne. Yeah. Oh, let's talk Sussex. Well, there's yeah. what's the uh, what's the roller coaster place called in Eastbourne? There was like a on the seafront. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where I used to work there. Oh yeah, yeah. I used, we used to go there. For, we used to go there for the day. You could get a wristband and go on and rides as many times as you like. Yeah, I, I used to be Rocky the Bear when at Fort Fun. Yeah, I think I remember you. Yeah, you can probably call it. Yeah, you're incredible. Yeah. I look a lot different. <laughs> I think I might have had my photo. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was where I, that was where I started, and then I I um I tried to join the, the military at the time, but um, I was a fat kid. So right. um, when you when you join, the, again, it may have changed slightly now, but back then when you join the military, you have to do a um, sort of like height and weight test, um, like a body mass test. Um, and I needed to be about 18 foot tall to get in at my <laughs> weight. Yeah. Um, so How I, big were you, Simon? How big? Uh, I think I was at the time, um, 17, 18 years old. I was around 22 stone. Cool. Um, 44, wow. 46 inch waist. Voice. Wow. Which is, you know, it's hard to imagine you now being so trim. It's greedy. <laughs> it's, it's a great way of putting it. <laughs> you must look massive in that bear suit. <laughs> yeah, well, it's lucky it was a big bear suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the reason why I had that is the only suit I could fit into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I couldn't fit in a three piece. Um, so I had. No. Um, <laughs> I, I I was quite a big kid. So anyway, I went off. I got a mechanical engineering apprenticeship in Eastbourne and I did a, a few years or two years actually there um, on working in the, in, the, in the factory, if you want to call it that, and then going college day release. Um, and it wasn't really for me. All my friends at the time, I was an army cadet as well when I was a, when I was a kid, fat one. Um, and all my friends from army cadets left to join the army. Yeah. So I was kind of the only one that didn't do that. Um, and I wanted to do that. So I, I left, I, I did the engineering thing. Then I started running. The first time I ever went out, I put tracksuit on, won't wear shorts. Um, and I ran one lamppost. 
And then I went back in because that's all I could do. And I did two lampposts and I did three lampposts. I just imagine you just going round. I think you ran to the lamppost and round it. I just imagine you sort of doing a circle. Kind of. I walked back. Right. right. I ran do you know it. what? I like that because I'm struggling with running. I like that idea of just up to the lamppost back, up to the second lamppost. Yeah, back. little steps, little pigeon yeah. steps. Yeah. And then yeah. I ended up doing, uh, at the time I was living with my parents still, and they, it, it's not even a hill really, but at the time I saw it was a hill. And there's some shops at the end. So I used to think, oh, if I could run up to them shops, that would be an achievement. So that was that was the goal to run up to the shops. It's only 400 metres up the road, 300 metres up the road. Um, run up to the shops and obviously back down because it's a slight incline back down. That was a bit easier. So then I managed to pick that up quite quick. And then I went around the block. Then I added another road on. And then I saw my grandma at the time. She's not here anymore. Um and she said to me, oh, you lost a little bit of weight, haven't you? You look like you lost a bit of weight in your face. And that's about, then I realised, oh, actually, Ooh, this works. Yeah. This actually starts yeah. to lose a bit of weight here. So that really made me yeah. carry it on. I still didn't think about the military then. I was more worried about losing weight. Um, yeah. I didn't want to be a big bloke anymore. Um, and I think I, as I started losing more and more weight, I realised as well as actually getting fitter. And I could run these... Think, you know, and then I'd say to my parents, oh, I run up to the Eastbourne Fire Station and back to there. And they'd blimey, that's quite a long way. And I'd think about that. And I think, oh, actually, it is quite I'm running quite some good some good distance. Yeah. So then that's when I went back to the army and thought, right. See, I can I can do this now. This shouldn't be too difficult for me. How long did that take to go from not being able to get into um today? I did it in about six months, actually. I did it quite quick. Cool. Yeah, I didn't I did it the right way in terms of physical. I didn't do it the right way in terms of diet. I cut right back on my I didn't really know much about the right foods back then. So I cut right back on eating um correct uh sort of too much and just sort of like had a sandwich a day and a couple of drinks, which really you probably need a bit more than that when you're running that much all the time. Um but as I got a bit older, I learned more about diet and, you know, eating correctly to train and all that. But back then, yeah, that's how I'd done it. I just, I'm just i not suggesting people should restrict their calories too much, but, um, you know, that's how I did it so quickly, I think. Yeah. Right. And so you got in, did you? Did yeah, you well, I started it? off, actually, I didn't. No, I still didn't get in. So I, I started off in the reserves for literally for no amount of time at all just to get in. And then I went across to the regular army. And I, my first posting was in um, Canada. Oh, okay. I started from my local unit in Eastbourne, and then I went to the regular house. I went. I did just over twelve months in Canada. How old were you then? Twenty, I think twenty. Wow. Yeah, about twenty. Nineteen, twenty. Yeah. And what does one do in Canada in the military? We was uh, quite a fun time actually out there. Um, exercise. So it's one of the only places. I think they're getting rid of it now, but it's one of the only places in the world where the British Army can exercise all their battle tanks. Um, all their fighting troops in a, in a live firing capacity because of the size of the training area out there. So the British Army very quickly split up into battle groups, which is, each battle group has tanks, has mortars, has armoured reconnaissance vehicles, has um, attack helicopters. You know, So it's each sort of everything you would need to go to a war. Each battle group has that. I'm not sure how many battle groups in the British Army now, three or four maybe, maybe more. Um, but it's it's the only place in the world where we could exercise a whole battle group together and live fire. Um, so we did two weeks of live firing, two weeks of what we call test exercise, which is blank ammunition, but firing lasers. You wear bobbles on your helmet on, on the, and it kind of picks up if you get hit or not. Um, so I did I did uh, I did range safety for that because obviously there's quite a lot of safety involved when it's live firing. Um, I did I think I did four battle groups worth of exercises for for the range safety. 
Um, so I, that, that's pretty much all I did. I mean, the rest of the time was having having fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then when did it, when did it get serious? Uh, so when I finished there, Iraq was starting, 2003, Iraq War. Um, oh, my God. And, yeah, and that's the first oh. time I've ever been on uh, operations, really, properly. And as a soldier, you always, everyone wants to do that. You know, people... Is it, really, you want it? It's like being in the easiest way to explain it. Imagine being in a football team, never getting a game. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, or bigger, you know, you, you're playing in your home club or maybe, I don't know much about football, if I'm honest, but maybe third division or whatever, but you never really get into Wembley and having a proper sort of first division game or play for England. It, you, you don't get that chance. And it's frustrating because everyone wants to be the best at what they do. You can't really, right. um, not suggesting you need to go to war to be the best, but certainly if you're an infantry fighting soldier, I wasn't, I was in the Royal Signals, by the way, but if you're an in- infantry fighting soldier, going to war is your bread and butter. That's the job you do. For, for me, it's communications, but, but the type of communications I did was communications in a war zone, if you like. Um, but there was another element of communications you might do back in the UK, receiving messages in uh, you know relatively safe place. But so what? Um, sorry, sorry. What were you actually doing out there? I, like, where were you? What were you doing? Day, I day went time? out there. I didn't really go out there. Um, or I went out as war signals. So uh, to start with, we was meant to do the communications for the brigade headquarters which is like the commander if you like who looks after um southern iraq right. the british looked after southern iraq at the time the u.s looked after northern iraq was how it split up after the war um right and i looked i i went out there as a as a signals uh signaler and i didn't do very long before we put a team together to look after um and I haven't spoken about this very much, actually, it's not, but it's quite interesting looking back. Um, uh, look after some CIA agents um, wow. who were investigating weapons of mass destruction or any any sign of weapons of mass destruction. Um, and we had we had two agents and we had a, a civilian American, they're all Americans, but civilian American who worked for some nuclear waste, civilian nuclear waste expert company, you know, deals with that sort of thing. Um, and we went out visiting sites wherever we had informants tell us that there were sites of weapons of mass destruction. We were, we went out to people's houses, you know, we went out to big warehouses and lockups and wherever we went um, to try. And your role was what again? It's protection. Just, it's just a protection. Was, was this like the first sort of kind of light bodyguard? Right, yeah, I was in the army, but yeah. That's, How old were you? Oh, I was twenty-two. Jesus, twenty-two. Okay, it's quite a serious job for a. For a young lad, my bo- my yeah. eldest boy's twenty one. I'm just trying to get my head around like him. Yeah, I, I was quite an early starter with everything I've done. To be honest with you, Michael Jackson, when I was yeah. twenty six. You know, that's quite young. You were twenty six when you were looking after him. Yeah. Well, I was twenty four. That seems so. too young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you did a terrible job, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So, what would what would be a typical day for you out there? Um, it, it just depends. Um, it depends on what information we had coming in. Would depend on whether we went out that day. So some days you wouldn't do anything. So some days you literally drive out, um, maybe possibly to someone's house. Um, we had people who used to call in. I mean, I didn't deal with the intelligence side of it, but they had people that used to call in to say, "Oh, we, you know, we've we've got this in our in our garage, or we've been given this to look after, or we believe there's a warehouse full of stuff." Oh um, and we'd go out and the idea was if we found anything that the people we took out, they tested it and it was all documented. And then I, um, I guess it would have been taken away, but we never found anything. 
Really? The whole time. I never <laughs> So so was it what was what was the sort of high alert you were on? Was it like every like every time you went out? Was it like okay, this is serious shit? Start like, with it wasn't. It was right after the war when we started doing the investigation and not much was happening because the war had just finished and it took a little while for the insurgency to build up after the war. Oh really? To sort of get into this because I think everybody thought it's gonna be quite an, just a rebuilding phase after and everybody's gonna be yeah. happy. And obviously it's it's quite the opposite, really. So it, it, I would say no more than about six to eight weeks in, we started getting attacked. And maybe three or four months in, um, you know, the attacks were really amplified. And, you know, oh, what was that? What, when you say an attack, what does that, what does that actually entail? What um, that, well, the camps, how does the one... camps and military were in, were getting mortared, mortar bombs were getting dropped in. Um, roadside bombs started popping up, a lot of roadside bombs uh, in blowing vehicles up. Um, you know, the odd ambush out on sort of on main main supply, oh my God. Out of towns, um, all that that kind of happened in town. There was a lot of shooting. There was one particular place, um, in in Basra city centre at the time when I was in the with the military that uh, was a, a lone sniper working there, and he kept shooting people on on certain roundabouts. Um, and we, I got lucky one day where we just missed it. The, unfortunately, the two cars in front, the driver got hit and instantly killed with it. Um, and they found him in the end, but it, that sort of thing started um, popping up more and more and more. And actually, it probably got more dangerous as the months rolled on than what it was in the war fighting phase. Really, really? probably, yeah. Were you feeling the, that fear every day, or were you just getting used to living with it? And uh, that's a good question because when I was younger, I didn't really, I didn't care. I didn't care about any of that. Right. I wanted to be there. I wanted to do the job. Um, quite often, we got stoned a lot. By the children, the, you know, the, they put the windows through on the vehicles we had because um, we had civilian vehicles. We wasn't using Land Rovers, so um, glass in them. Um, it would get stoned on the roundabouts and on the streets, and you know, if they got lucky, they smash the windows as we drive past. But I didn't think much of it. I did as I started doing it later on in life, and I started getting a bit older. Yeah, just thinking, oh god, you know, today could be the day. But when I was when I was in the certain, did you moment, did you really feel like that when you went out? You thought this could be not, not in the early days. Later on, a little bit. But no, but later on, you yeah. One of the way. jobs I had as a private security oh. contractor was we lots of guys got killed on that particular contract. Um, we was getting hit all the time, so it is, it is in the back of your mind more. It was never a case of I wonder if it was always when on that job. Really? Yeah, it was always when on that. I mean, it's quite a tough job for private security. Can you say what that job was? Or? Yeah, it was. Um, so it's it's convoys. We was looking after kit. This is the problem. We wasn't looking after life. We was looking after kit and equipment. So uh, at the time, the contract I was on was for the uh, Japanese government, and they just donated some huge electrical substations um, to power up or help power give power back to Baghdad. Um, and we was going out to Tribil, which is a Jordanian border, picking up these substations, escorting them back in so they didn't get blown up or stolen. Um, and then we stayed with the engineers while they kind of fitted them for the day or two. And then we went back and got another one. But because of the size of, the size of these substations, they were huge and they had these big porcelain pots on the top. And if you went too fast, they would, sh they would shatter. So we had trackers on the vehicle so the Japanese could see how fast we was going. And we could only run probably about 10 kilometers an hour. If we went too much over 10 kilometers an hour, we'd get a phone call saying you, you, you're going too fast. Well, obviously, if you're going to set up roadside bombs and attacks, a slow moving convoy is perfect to, yeah. to attack. Um, and also because of the size of the kit and equipment, we had to stay to all the main supply routes, the big 
the big big roads we couldn't sort of use any back streets or so they always knew we was coming we couldn't do much about that really so we just used to take it on the chin <laughs> so ambushes like do you get information that one you're approaching one or does it just come out completely out of the blue and suddenly you're how does it normally comes out of it normally comes out of the blue but after you've been working out there for a while sometimes you can see indicators that something might be happening what would they be well you know so if you're in a built-up area and there's the, the streets quiet for instance if you see women oh. maybe moving away you know that might be a problem sometimes there might be markers in the street that look a bit weird like sometimes maybe a pair of shoes hanging off um a top of you know yeah. telephone pylons or something yeah, yeah. A pair of shoes just to give them a marker of where to detonate when you drive past so you, you usually and some days i'll just get a feeling I just get a bit of a feeling that I'm not really comfortable around here. And quite often, some of how stressed were you in that moment? Then that feeling, it just I think that on that particular job, that stress stress become normal. Yeah, you felt. I, mean, I, I used to eat all the time, and because it was out all the time, I never really got in the gym, and I never put any weight on. No, because yeah, I think yeah, it just become a, you, you know, and you if sort of anxiety and the stress of it, you just got up and instantly felt like that in the morning, and that was it. You did your day like that, and I think it just yeah normal. How long did that go on for? I did. How long did I do on that one? Nine, ten months, something like that. I did on that one. Gosh, shit! So you felt like that for nearly a year. Yeah, well, we did two months on, one month off. So I got one month at home every three months. God, I'm at, so going back. After that month, must have been. Yeah, well, tell you what, the one that was always used to, it's coming home. Yeah. You'd just been out somewhere. Did you have a partner or anything at the time? No, at the time I didn't, for that reason. Because all the guys who, unfortunately, are not here anymore, a lot of them left left wives and children and, you know. um, So I just thought, you know, it's enough stress out here as it is. I don't really want to add to it. Yeah, yeah. um, Yeah. I found coming home was sometimes it's strange for the first few days because certainly if you've had some trouble out there and you you know had a bit of a rough time the few days before you come home and all of a sudden you're standing in Heathrow airport there's people with sombreros on and yeah whatever else you know what I mean and you're thinking you're looking and you think oh you've got no idea where I've just been no more yeah. than 12 hours ago yeah yeah um yeah, so that used to be. I, mean, I you, felt like that when I got back from Centre Parks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> you have no idea how much money I've just You have spent. no idea the <laughs> shit that I've just been through. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, and if you're in yeah. Marks and Spencer's getting a bit of food on the way home, you hear people moaning, you know, someone's moaning. Yeah. I can't believe it. I missed the bus yesterday and I think, well, you know. Yeah. But, but um, you soon get back into a swing of normal life. <laughs> Fuck, that's and then what's it like when you've got to go back out there again? You just like deep breath. Here we go. Well, I always said the day I don't want to go anymore is the day I give it up. Oh right, um, because you can't be in an environment like that and not be happy because it's not fair on you and it's not fair on the guys you're working with. Because when something happens, you've got to be hundred and ten percent up for it. And if you're sort of oh, I don't really want to be here every morning and sort of going out and maybe your mind's not on the job, then it's not really fair on everybody else. Yeah. What was the yeah. general sort of like amount of people that did sort of go right? Actually, I'm dropping out. Like, was it or was it generally people didn't? It varied because a lot of us, you know, I I did three years in Afghanistan. Uh, sorry, three years in Iraq, two years in Afghanistan. So, um, you know, and all the guys that had their own agendas of why they were there. And some guys after Afghanistan, I come back to London and I I didn't I didn't carry on doing that type of work as such. I did a bit of ship security. Yeah. I'll talk about it in a bit, but. 
Um, Whereas other guys, you know, they still carried on with it, but they went to Africa. A lot of guys went to Libya. Guys went to um, Oman. And then some, again, did the same as I did. They did however long they needed to do. And so everyone had their own agenda. On There's still some guys doing it now. Some guys I know where I started in Iraq with at the end of 2003. Wow. Still there now. Yeah. So that age was like early 20s. And then you said you started doing private security when? Uh, so you, because did they sort of all overlap? Did you sort of do a bit of that and then go back to the military? A little bit. So the Jackson job come around 2006. I was still working in Afghanistan. And so I come home on leave. I was in Edinburgh with a friend of mine. I lived down in Eastbourne, but I'd gone up to Edinburgh for a few days because my mate, I worked out in Afghanistan with actually um, lived there and said, Do you want to come out a few days drinking or whatever? So I went up there um, and I had a call. Um, from a guy that I'm not sure how he got my number actually. Um, he had something to do with a close protection course I'd done a long, long time ago. And he called me and said, do you, Are you free to work in London? Because he knew I lived down there. I said, I'm actually in Edinburgh at the moment. Or was it before? He said, Oh, he wouldn't tell me who it was. But he said, There's a guy coming in for 10 days, two weeks. Will you look after him? I said, oh, I, thought, I don't really want to do this. You know, I've only got a month off. I don't want to waste 10 days. And then I thought about it and thought, But I want to come back to the UK. And work, start working there at some stage. Never done it before. So I thought maybe this is a good chance to do it. So I rang him back. Um, I said, look, I'll, I'll do it. When's it got to be, though? Because I'm in Edinburgh. He said, can you start the day after tomorrow? So I changed my flight. I said, I'll take the job. I still didn't know who it was. I took the job on. I went out. My my mate said, well, you haven't got to worry about your flight till the morning now because I brought it forward. Um, so we went out drinking. <laughs> Missed my flight <laughs> down <laughs> as a D. And I was a bit tight on time to make the job. I managed to get a next flight straight away. I had to buy a suit in London because I didn't have time to go down to Eastbourne and back up now to get my suit. So I bought buy a whole two white shirts, suit, shoes, the whole regalia. Um, and I went straight to, I think it was Stansted Airport, which is where I was told to go. I went to Stan- yeah. Stansted um, at the Howard's Terminal. I think it's Stansted. At the what? Howard. Well, Howard's have our own, own private jet terminal, yeah. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you're not gonna, you haven't got a plane there. No, I use the one next. I thought, to it. I was gonna say, I've like, Audi. Oh, yeah, yeah, Audi. Yeah, the what? Audi. So yeah, so uh, I went there. It wasn't until when when I realised who it was who was coming in. How, how did you realise? Someone tell you. A white glove came. Uh, out well, the door it, it was five of us on the job. It wasn't just me. Um, I knew one of the other guys on the job, um, and I didn't know the other three. Um, and they just said, oh, Michael Jackson's coming in. But it's one of the other guys who, who kind of told me. So to start with, I thought, oh, you know, he's messing around or whatever. Um, and then everyone else sort of started saying it, and it sounded quite real. And I was thinking, mm, I thought, well, it's not impossible. He obviously needs looking after. And then uh, we sat down and had a little briefing on what was going on and how he was, we was going to pick him up off the plane and stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm looking after Michael Jackson. And, <laughs> and, and uh, I, I did Were you that casual about it? Because I'd be going... <laughs> 
I'll be going, fuck him. Well, hell. this is the thing. It, at the time, <laughs> I mean, obviously, since then, I've been with lots of celebrities, but at the time, it was my first ever celebrity, uh, my first job, it, a proper job, really, in the UK for security. Uh, and I, I, I didn't appreciate it at all. All I kept thinking was, I've got to do 10 days of this, and then I've, got, I've only got two weeks left of my leave, really. Or I can't remember how it works out. It wasn't long until I was going back. So I, I just, I knew it was a good thing. You know, I knew it was going to be a fun job, but I didn't really. It wasn't until many years after when people kept saying about it all the time. I thought, you know what? Yeah, that was because he hasn't done that many visits here. So to be involved in that, you know, yeah, I thought. Can I can I ask the moment? Like, how do you (laughs) when when Michael Jackson is handed over to you? How because obviously your brain's going. Can I ask Michael Jackson? Yeah. So so what's that like when he? How did you first? Did he did he say hello to you, or was he too busy? I don't know, whatever Michael Jackson he didn't, he didn't, he didn't. I mean, there's lots of other people with him. as a massive entourage, so we didn't... Oh, right, okay, he's not much. this Todd right there. Yeah, he didn't just step off a biplane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, for fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in the first instance, no, not really. He's kind of very much scuttled him into a vehicle and then took him into London. But um, later on, through the quieter periods... Um, yeah, you, you know, you had a chance to speak to him. And obviously, when you're planning... You had a chat with him? No. You chatted. Imagine. Um, no. How are you, Michael? Oh, what are you doing? Are you just, are you just sort of standing there. It's more the format for today. You talk about the format of what we're doing today, where we go, and how we would like to do it. You wouldn't really ask sort of anything other than that, really. Yeah. What did but he you're, do? You're in the same room as him. Yeah, 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 at times, yeah. What, what, is he little? Is he small? <laughs> um, was he small? Was he small? <laughs> no, do you know what? I'd say... F- Slight, wasn't he? Yeah, I'd say 5'11", f- maybe. 5'11"? Five, five ten, ten, yeah. He, he can't have weighed much. No, he, he was quite needed. a skinny frame. Did you ever see him practice a dance move? No. Oh, didn't you? Because <laughs> no. I think that would blow my mind if I just saw I him. didn't see him sing, neither. When you were in the same room as him, what what was the situation? Was it backstage? Was he where where was it? Yeah, what was he doing well, for ten time, days? What's going on? I dealt with him. It was uh, in his in his hotel room. Um, in his you know, hotel almost, room? almost almost ready to go. <laughs> yeah, but don't forget, it's not a room. It's a you know, he's got a whole suite, which is free. Where are you? Are you standing at the front door uh, with a gun? What are you? What are nah, you doing? No, no gun. <laughs> um, quite a lot of the time, I had to stay down in the lobby out of the way. But if I was asked to go up, then you you know, yeah, because he's quite safe up there. It's not you know. Um, that big a deal yeah. once they're locked in their suite or whatever. Did he know your name? Probably not. Oh, he didn't say Sight Simon. No, he didn't say oh, yeah, Simon. Where are you? <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for the first impression. <laughs> I was thinking about doing it five minutes ago. I decided not to. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, you might have noticed I lost confidence halfway through saying Simon. It's <laughs> uh, killing me. So, did you see anything in private? You thought, oh, look, it's Michael Jackson brushing his teeth, or there's he's putting his little. Not black quite like that, but obviously, when you just see him sat down in a shirt and trousers in a sort of a normal environment, yeah, that's when you probably realise a little bit more that you're a little bit closer to that person. Because at any other time you'd see them, they're always on the TV, or they're all done up, flashes and cameras, and people. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, yeah, but no, I didn't really ever see him in any sort of curious. <laughs> I'm sort of sat, imagine him sat with his knees together, same here. Like, yeah, kind of like a pension. I'll be, I'll be... <laughs> <laughs> I don't I know, know why. Holding on to both sides of the chair. Yeah, yeah. sort of unsure whether knees. he can get up. <laughs> um, yeah, 
Actually, I can't remember that so long ago how he would have been sitting. I don't yeah. remember doing anything too fancy, though. No. But did you think, oh, he seems like a laugh? Or what was your sort of general after, like, being around him for a bit going? Was it like, oh, he seems all right, or he's hard work, or, you know, what was it, the He was a very, very nice guy, but I, was I would say he was, um, there was some troubles there. Yeah, there was some yeah. problems there. The way he, yeah. he, he didn't really ask for much. He, he 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 was a nice guy, but he was quite slow, quite quiet. And I would say there was some deep, grouted yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's mad that you felt that in just a few days of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that was 2006. You know, he went on another six years, I think it was, after that. Yeah, when did he die? 12, I think it was. 2009, was it? Nine, was it? I think maybe. Was he for, like... Like, because he, he, he died, was he over here, wasn't he, when he passed away? Like, he, in a hotel? Was doing, he was doing his This Is It tours, wasn't he? That's it. And, and so was he over here doing promo or something? What was, what was the 10 days? What did you do with him? Oh, so he went to the World, he got, a, he got an award at the World Music Awards, but also at the Guinness Book of Records as well. So we went, we went to both. I love the fact he came over all that. For... Met Norris McWords for the fuck's off. Yeah. I always remember because at the World Music Awards, I don't know how they, um, I didn't take much interest in it at the time and I don't know how they promoted the awards, but obviously everybody knew Michael Jackson was coming and everything else. So I, I think they assumed that um, he was singing, which I did actually. Yeah. Um, when he got on, when he got there to pick his award up, he didn't sing and he had a Michael Jackson double come on. What? Yeah, he had a double come on and do do his one of his songs, and we was all about like, why would you not? <laughs> you were there yourself. Well, that's pure madness. Yeah, and he didn't sing. Yeah, so I think everyone's a bit disappointed in that. Right. <laughs> I think I'd be. I think you, I don't know how I'd feel about watching Michael Jackson watch his double. Yeah, yeah. I don't. And he obviously must have agreed to that. Obviously, he would have done that himself. So I don't really know what. Fucking it's boring. Yeah. You're yeah. in now. It's all televised as well, so you for the whole world to see. And um, yeah, it was very bizarre. Very confident. Fucking so you've you've that. bodyguarded for a, a few celebs. Yeah, I did. Over the years. Um, some of the models, so Kendall Jenner. Um, That's one of the Kardashian yeah, sisters. Just, yeah. yeah, Bella Hadid. I did for quite a while in the UK. I always look at bodyguards and think, what's it like to be a bodyguard? <laughs> um, I can't imagine I'd have. You need some confidence. Do you know what? It's not as exciting as what people think, to be honest. Isn't it? I don't think so. How many times do you run into a prat who you go, hey, buddy, step aside? Um, <laughs> I mean, how many times do the public you get You ever involved? pinned anyone? Not- I mean, with the celebrity thing, obviously the public and the crowd build up, as you as you two yeah. would know yourselves. Oh, uh, oh, well, God. You should meet Mick in a minute. Like, He's over like there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mick's by the door like that. <laughs> <laughs> put, put, your, put your fingers down, Mick. Barriers <laughs> <laughs> up outside his house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you always get the, you always get the, you know, your poop. But to be fair, do you know what? I didn't really have any problems because a lot of it's how you manage stuff in the first place and also how you treat people. Um, if you treat people correctly, speak to people correctly um, and manage the day correctly, it, it should be very few problems. Um, obviously, yeah. you've got to be prepared to step in if something does get physical. But so, what what could that be? Because if you're if you're bodyguarding like Michael Jackson, what are your what's the main what's your main roles? Is it getting them from yeah. A to B without any hassle, or is it like oh we're going to have to go through the crowds here, or is it all sort of back getting the through the back door? All of that. 
all of that really. A to B is obviously the biggest bodyguard's concern because that's pretty much my responsibility from leaving a hotel to wherever they're, they're going. Um, but also, yeah, crowd build up, just general security ways. But it doesn't, protecting someone isn't just physical, it's also like them in every, um, every way possible. So um, I don't know if you remember in the papers quite a few years ago now, Prince Harry had i think he had a swastika or something on his arm um and he went to oh, well, fancy, fancy fancy dress, dress. Yeah, right. yeah. so um it's just things like that if someone's going to do something that maybe they're not thinking about what could damage their reputation oh so you're there to keep that yeah it's not it's not like a it's not one of the main sort of if you can't do that you haven't got a job but yeah you should be looking at everything really when you're with someone to make sure, because at the end of the day, people are all human. They do get drunk sometimes and they do forget themselves a little bit. So if you can point things out, go, look, you might want to put that away or you might not want to wear that today. Um, or, you know, maybe we should go this way because of whatever. Oh, right. Some of them, and often they think, oh, well, I didn't think of that, you know. And so it's, you've got to protect the image as well as, uh, yeah. as well as the physical. When you've been that close to that sort of level of celeb, what do you think of that world that they live in? Does it seem... You know what? It's not... It seems what, really lonely. It's not what... Yeah, exactly. It's not what people... Yeah. Mm. You know, I see all these... When you see all these Love Island people and everything else and all this Instagram... I mean, I'm on Instagram and um, Facebook and stuff, but there's people on it where all they're worried about is being famous. And I think, oh, you've got no idea the infringement of mm. what being really, really famous. God. You know, and obviously... It, if you make money out of it and it's made you a lot of money, then you can have a slightly different lifestyle, which maybe helps. But certainly if you're going to be famous with no money, what an awful life. Yeah. Well, because like with Michael yeah. Jackson, the amount of money it must cost him just to get a bat yeah. is insane. Obviously, this is where my brain goes immediately. I'm adding up yeah, the cost same, yeah. of... So there's five of you. Yeah, yeah, days. yeah. Hourly rate of... So he's his outgoings fucking nuts, yeah. aren't they? But imagine Michael Jackson. <laughs> imagine if he was, he was as famous as Michael Jackson. He didn't have any money. That'd be nice. Yeah. I've got I've got to ask one thing as well. Did you did like I I always think with my I always when I was a kid, I remember my mum saying, like, really famous people get like Harrods and places like that shut for them. Yeah. So they can have a wander around. That always blew my mind. Did you do any yeah, of that did, with him? Yeah. Like where... yes. um, oh, did you? Yeah, cool. That's funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at the time, Top Shop on Oxford Street, the, 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 which was like the flagship store for the UK at the time, um, we it well, it was midnight. We took him in there about midnight, and the owner Michael Jackson went around Top Shop. Yeah, he, he got he got his get some pants. He got his got his <laughs> outfit for the World Music Awards, sort of like gifted to him from Top Shop. Oh, really? Right, if the Daily Mirror takes this <laughs> and puts this... Can you mention the podcast? Thank you. Yeah. Keep making our stories. <laughs> yeah, as heard on Chattervix. <laughs> yeah, for once, please. Did he really um, walk around Topshop? Yeah, but at midnight. So he got given the outfit, because I really wanted you to say you saw him just... I had this visions of, you know, when you've got no worries about money, you just take things off, go and have a cut money. Yeah, no, he just... Um, he chose. He chose. Went around the store, chose what he wanted. Wanted, uh, but that was at like half twelve, one in the morning, twelve o'clock at night. Oh, it must have been dressed in top shop. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I thought his trousers would be like gold sequins, and well, I don't, I don't know who makes them for him. <laughs> I've not been able to find a pair. <laughs> Just a couple of old. Can I get a pair of trousers like Michael Jackson's, please? <laughs> I've got the white socks. Everywhere. Isn't that lonely, <laughs> going around Topshop on your Todd? 
That's a lonely Well, existence. no, with five blokes. But again, but again he's know. always got under the people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people but, yeah. What do you think of these, Simon? Yeah. <laughs> do you like these? I like, oh, yeah, you want to, Holding it up. You need them a bit longer, Michael. Neck. You need them a bit longer. <laughs> Michael, you have not got the hips for it, mate. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Never seems to be able to get his trouser length right, did he? <laughs> no. You, out of all the no. things you could have done for him. I know, yeah. I yeah. could have gone... You're a you're a 28 waist and a 32 leg, Michael. When 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 you were walking around Top Shop with him, were you going, "What the fuck am I doing?" <laughs> Walk around Top Shop with Michael. <laughs> Once he was in there because the store was shut, I stayed away and just let him get on with it. I didn't really sort. Yeah. Of... What do you do while you're waiting for Michael Jackson to look around Top Shop um, for an hour? Just wait at the escalator like you do when you're waiting for the missus. Really, same drill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, babe. It's yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Fits really well, that. Yeah. <laughs> Just think to get it, pick it up and get out. Yeah. Do you keep the receipt, Michael? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were saying being famous without the money. Hell, oh, it's nuts. It'd be impossible, yeah. wouldn't it? Well, didn't because... you hear that once, Joe? If you're going to be famous, you got to make yeah, enough sure, money sure, to, sure to live in a castle. He said, he said you got to, there's a point where you have to be, you have to earn enough money. If you get phones, you have enough money to have to never go on public transport. Yeah. Because oh, that costs God. a lot of money. That so, so there's like a tipping point where you go, right, I can no longer go on public transport. That is really then really expensive. And that's where it starts as well, you know I'd mean? say, public transport. That's probably... Does it? Start. Yeah, because if you think about it, and people go, oh, celebrities, they're not like us or whatever. It's not because they don't want to. It's because they can't. No. Imagine going somewhere where you get pulled around every time you go. Yeah, yeah. It just gets, it's it's all on the days that you're set up and if you're going to a film premiere or if you're going to you know one of your, your guys you're going to one of your shows or something walking in or whatever you're going to expect you know it's coming when mm. you're just going down the road for a bottle of milk and then someone starts pulling you about you can imagine it probably does get a bit boring <laughs> yeah yeah well so if everything takes two hours then you're going to get the ump yeah you? yeah not to mention obviously the paps and the media you know all of a sudden someone's in a tracksuit because i've only gone to the petrol station to get a bottle of milk I and mean, when you get accused of possibly having a late night and you know looking rough in the morning yeah. all this sort of thing well, you, yeah. you look no different to everyone else you just popped out for a bottle of milk yeah cool. have you have you seen that side with with like all the different celebrities where you know what load of bollocks it is that they've published you know where you because you've been there and gone well one, that's not i had one uh only two days ago I won't mention the paper. I just mentioned a, uh, a, they mentioned um, exclusive um, security specialist Simon Newton says I didn't even do the interview. Oh really? I mean I did obviously, but it would have been from something else, however long yeah. ago. You know, I didn't that particular one. I didn't do it. So yeah, yeah, that happens all the time. And and again with Jackson, Michael Jackson. I mean back then it wasn't it wasn't Instagram. There wasn't. I might have been Facebook. I can't remember. I didn't have it if it was, but. Um, MySpace, I think, was probably around back then. But um, it was only MTV and the front page of all the newspapers kind of got the most coverage, in the BBC News and stuff, got the most coverage for Michael Jackson. But even that, yeah. I remember reading something in the Sun paper and it listed two or three places that we didn't even go to mm. because they knew the places we did, did go to, but I guess they wanted to fill the gaps. Mm. Mental, isn't it? I'm just thinking what level of celebs you have to be to suddenly need you in your life yeah what? yeah we're always the last thing to come in because we're expensive uh, well not expensive but we do cost money and people don't you don't get anything for your money if you don't need us 
if you know what I mean, because we're only there to do one thing. So if you're not sort of big enough to need us, hair and makeup, managers, agents, tour managers, sound people, if you're, you know, in in the singing industry or whatever, um, all those people have kind of can do all sorts of different things and different jobs. Security guys really are security and only security. So if you're not big enough to need us on a daily basis, you know, we're always the last, all, everything else in a team and in a crew is always in long before, you know, we're always the last to get implemented because I guess you've got to build your profile up big enough to want us in the first place. So some people need you on a daily basis. Yeah, lots of celebrities. I was just thinking, saying to my wife, right, we've got to go to Morrison's to call Simon. Simon, Simon, love. <laughs> yeah, well, Simon, I mean, that is, it is like that. You'll normally have, you know, you'll have a driver, you'll have a security guy, you might have a staff side to your house, which is what normally happens. Yeah. It, can't, it can't be that many people that need it all the time. I'm just thinking, like, Michael Jackson, the Royals, like... High net worth people are probably more likely to have it all the time than a lot of the celebrities. Right. Because a lot of they got, celebrities, like, they're, not high, they're not really high, when, you know, they're not, they're not in the billions, very few. No. No. Have you gone around some people's house and go, flip it now, look at where they live. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what. The more money Pulled into have, their drive and thought, oh. the, the more money they have, the more infringement it is on your life. Though. If you've got a big house, you probably yeah. have. You've got housekeepers, you may have a gardener, you may have... Panic room. Like, panic room, Simon. Panic room in the middle, yeah. We're back while we're off being burgled. Um, you may have 24-hour security. You, you, you may have uh, you know, your swimming pool and air conditioning maintenance people. It's all people in your house all the time. Honestly, the math, the maths I'm doing in my head is. To, uh, Do you know anything about panic rooms, Simon? Um, in what respect? What do you know about Whenever I hear about panic rooms, I, I imagine being that person where you feel like you need one. Do do big celebrities like Michael Jackson and who whoever have panic rooms? So Panic Room's a bit of a movie thing. Safe Room, we call it, really. Oh, okay. Safe yeah. Room. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds a better marketing way of marketing yeah. it rather than Panic Room. Because if you're in your safe room, you shouldn't really be panicking. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> but what does a safe... Do you know... Have you seen one? What does a safe room look like? Yeah, all it is. They... Safe room's anything. It's not particular. Some houses, you might build one to be a safe room. Most people don't. Normally, a safe room is something that's possibly in the centre of the house. It hasn't got any windows. And maybe the, it's not a plasterboard wall. You know, it's a brick wall with a, a, a door which is um, substantial enough not to be knocked off the hinges with an elbow. Um, but also within that, need still need a phone, mobile phone signal, maybe an internet signal, maybe its own internet thing, not not connected to the rest of the house. Yeah, uh, a crate of water, just sort of provisions. It, this day and age now, you know, people turn up. It, quick so in terms of having like months worth of food in there i don't think you really need to worry about that but have something for 24 hours 48 hours just in case it does they have loot they have loose in them um you can you can if you want if you really want to you could put like a a disposable camping it depends on my thing is without a little bit is you're kind of by putting a putting a sort of a a loo in there you're manifesting the fact of having to use it (laughs) yeah i am do you know what i mean you're almost looking all ready to stay in there for at least two or three days and that's not a good if that's happening imagine what's happening outside i'd make my i would make mine nice so i spoke to someone i spoke to someone who knows someone this is vague who were having a time. they were having a safe room built okay and uh i just How couldn't you get know my... someone having a safe room built. i'll tell you off <laughs> 
I'll tell you. You can stick around good, for that song. We'll do have. some off. It ones. is a good thing to have. But it's just felt just it felt so real suddenly chatting to someone. Oh yeah, yeah, they're having one. What? And this what person... situation are you in to go into the safe room? It is a normal <laughs> room, so you could have your office as a safe room. It's not like you're walking into a uh, um, like a vault. Okay. Oh, I've always had it as a vault. Yeah, I know. No, it's just literally a normal room, but it's called a safe oh. room because it's got no windows. It's it's very difficult to get in. That's all a safe room is, essentially. So if you have yeah, an office, yeah. which is in the middle of the house or anywhere, you know, you don't have to build one. You can make one, but that's normally what you try and go for. Is something that was just uh, essentially a safe room. So something that was hard. You know, if someone tried kicking that door and getting into you. Um, ultimately, if they really wanted to, they would in the end, but just sort of it holds on for a few hours at least. Is this a good example of like people like David and I have all our information through films? Right, yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, so you're kind of deep because in my head, there's like a screen where you can see. Yeah, see what's going on with all the terrorists running around your house and that. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, and I'm I'm sort of in full communication with HQ. Or Again, you would have obviously... if you got if you got um if you got cameras in your house, you would have the camera monitor in the safe room so you can see what's going on. But remember, no, you're, you're talking about looking after yourself normally until a burglar's left, maybe. So he hasn't decided to stab you for your watches, and he's just taken them instead because he can't get to you. Um, so that's kind of what a safe room's used for here, that kind of thing. Or or if someone's trying to get to you, you've only got a hold on until as long as it takes police or armed police to turn up, which now, you know, it's, well, <laughs> depending what the problem is. Whether they turn up at all. But, yeah, you know, so you're not looking at staying in a safe room now for a, a long period of time, but it is good to save yourself for an hour or two, particularly if you've got a big house out in the country or something like that where you're a little bit milling. Oh. It's quite a good thing to have. My, my just thought is just, God, I've reached that point where I need a safe room. Yeah, no. Well, it God, is. And it is probably for celebrities and high net worth. It is, you know, particularly in the London. And also, yeah. someone like Michael Jackson, there's no going back. Like he hit, like yeah. when he was alive, hit sort of celebrity level that he was never going to not be famous again. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, how, will there ever, will there ever be anyone as famous as that ever again? Who knows? Probably not in yeah. a lifetime. And you obviously work for businessmen and women who are. Yeah, I mean. Whole spectrum over the years of yeah. you know Middle Eastern world families, businessmen, um, politicians, bankers, you know all the sort of corporate side of it. Um, yeah, I mean I used to be a freelance bodyguard, so I used to look after sort of anyone and everyone who needed it really. Yeah, have you ever? Do you do some stuff on your Todd? Everything was on my own apart from Michael Jackson. Oh really? Yeah, obviously not in the Middle East and that, but in the UK I always worked on my own. Yeah, because of cost. Right, but we don't want to pay for too many people. God, that seems nuts. Have you, have you ever right. looked after someone and thought, why the hell am I looking after Richard Hammond? Like, um, <laughs> someone, someone booked you and thought, you don't need, you don't need me. For someone like Richard Hammond, for instance, if you was to look after him, you'd normally get contracted because he's going to just to an event or something. So you might only sort of be at the event with him and that's I it. I love your Richard Hammond. <laughs> Richard, you really don't need me, son. <laughs> you, you sat on the tube with him. There's tons of, yeah. <laughs> 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 You're gonna have to get yeah. your own ticket, Simon. I'm not made but out. Are, are some people you've worked with you thought, sorry, this is you wasting your money, right? <laughs> yeah. Feels like it could be an ego <laughs> thing. It's peace of mind, but for a lot of the celebrities, they don't, they don't pay for it. Yeah. Which is why they use it, even if they don't need it, because they don't pay for it. Who pays for it? Then? Well, someone like the production company, they pay for it in the end. Or yeah, the record, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the record label if they're a singer, they don't. Right. And, and when they got to pay for it, they won't have it. Right. 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 
Yeah, I get that. I get that. I've occasionally been given first class on a train somewhere. Yeah. I thought I'd never pay No, this but I will use it because I've. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely not. The high net worth tend to have it all the time because they've got money and, and lots of like, and they're big targets because of their money. But celebrities normally, most of them, only really have it when it's paid for anyway. Some of the bigger ones, you know, like Beyonce and people like that, I'm sure they have it all year round because they're quite big players. But. The in-betweeners, all of them only really have it. If it was going to a film premiere, I could have got booked for the night. So I'd meet them at the hotel, maybe, or they might only be here for a few days and I'd hang around with them and take them to the film premiere and they'd leave. And if they go back home to whatever country, they might not have anyone again for that period of time. Is part of your job not to look like security? You're, you know what I mean? Are you meant to just sort of blend in or are you there to go, I am, you know, you meant to look like security? No, I, I never used to. I mean, I said I never used to. You know, obviously, I probably look a bit stereotypical for a security bloke, but I there was times we'd go out and I'd put my hands in my pockets. Um, you know, if we were somewhere where we hadn't been particularly noticed, the person I was with maybe slightly covered up because we wanted to do shopping and not be not be mm. um, yeah. looked at. I would. I'd put a baseball cap on. I'd put my hands in pockets and look like I was just a friend or whatever walking with them. Um, and that used to work quite well. Did you have a knife in your sock or anything? Any weapons? <laughs> no, I never used to. I kept cutting my ankle. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David hardly uses his anymore. What have you got on you? Nothing. Or... You can't have it in this Nothing. You can't have anything. Yeah, just not even that. You can't have your fist. Really? Yeah, open, heart, open hands. Um, oh. I never needed to do any punching or clobbering though I, you know the most I no. was a little bit of pushing and moving away and quite, quite often yeah. if something's happening I move the person I'm looking after not try and move 10 fans right 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 you know so um and the more you do it the easier it is that, that you know when something's there's gonna be a crowd build up or if it's not a particularly good idea if we go in this place or if we walk in this place we've got to walk out the same door because there's no other door so maybe we won't go in there all these things you, you quite quickly you can sort of identify that it might cause you a problem and you just move people away you know i never i don't ever remember having to clump anyone or anyone trying to hit me or anyone i've been with and overzealous fans quite a lot obviously but yeah what's the what's the typical what's the typical fan that you feel like i have to move on um are they after autographs or pictures yeah or, or pictures there's a lot of nutters in the world you get your nuisance yeah and it is connect you say that joe it is connected a lot to mental health actually mm. a yeah. lot of um you know all that's why he called them nutters, which is yeah, I'm very, regretting very, 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 very <laughs> backwards. You yeah. put it in a lovely way, Simon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible. yeah. Because it, I'll tell you for a while, because in a way, they were a nuisance, but equally, <laughs> we didn't really know what he was doing, you know. So, yes, yeah, exactly. It, it's sort of 50 50 of them. They still got to be dealt with, unfortunately, because you can't let them do what they want to do. But also, I always, always, always used to have a bit of sympathy because I used to think. Anyone in their right mind probably wouldn't have normally tried to do that. Yeah. No. Do you know what I mean? No. You know, Joe's going to text me afterwards saying, can we take the line out where it matters, please? <laughs> Is there any way I can change it to someone with a few issues <laughs> in the edit? <laughs> Massively highlighted. And then it just looks like you're repeating what I've said <laughs> so that you look a bit... Well, I just listened to a podcast episode about the, the guy, Mark Chapman, who killed John Lennon. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. I've listened to it three times, three nights running. That's, I don't know why. I was imagining that level of celebrities walking around in New York and this guy's waiting for you. And Yeah. I do. I oh. often think the psychology of people like that. Well, what, is, what stage do you just wake up in the morning and suddenly think, do you know what? I'm going to go and kill someone today. 
Yeah. And then you walk out of your office or you walk into the shop, totally fine. You sat next to people on the bus, totally fine. You've just been on the train or anywhere. And then all of a sudden you just choose someone mm. just on the way home from work one evening. Mm. What, what's fate? We must get someone like that on the pod, Joe. <laughs> uh, definitely have to be Zoom. Have you, have to, have you had to deal with stalkers? Yeah. Stalking? Yeah, stalkers, yeah. Have you? Yeah, lots lots of celebrities get stalkers. More so now with social media and that, which is quite. It's easy to get do to. You a, like a, do you have like a lit like a? Because I remember there was a in an office where I used to work. There was like three or four people on this notice board that weren't let in. There was like local sort of oh, people that were just trying. Yeah, did you have really? that? Like a like, pub watch. Yeah, like oh god, look out for these. Yeah, you do sometimes. Yeah, if you're on a job and there's a particular person who might be of interest, then you'll get a, you'll get a picture of them. It's normally quite easy to get a picture of people these days. So you, you go. These are the, this is this person's like London stalker. Let's keep an eye out for. Oh, well, not some of them fly around the world following them. No, just yeah, yeah. I remember talking well, about that. I know they do. I know somebody. Yeah, but that. Ob- oh yes, yes, I know who exactly. I know who you're someone who's about. borderline <laughs> stalker. Yeah. I don't know yes. why I didn't tell them to stop doing what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I can't mention them. It's, uh, but that they they fly around the world doing the same thing. Yeah, it's yeah. an obsession. You probably had to grapple them, Simon. To be honest with well, you. I'd love to like to let yeah. them. Know that, I'd just like to let them know that I've seen them. That's normally enough. There's a question we have wanted to ask, which I'm... Um, Can I just right. go back when to the stalker you... just before we... Yes, yeah, yeah, of course, David. Is that all right? Of course. Have you been employed, Simon, by someone who genuinely has a stalker and they need your protection at home? Um, that kind of security? Yes. Really? Yes, I have, yeah. Oh, We've also man. done a little bit of um, domestic violence as well, um, where... You know, a, a couple have had a bad split up. Maybe one's been violent with the other, and by the, the courts have asked us to be around. It's sort of sort of through the courts. Um, oh, so we've done stuff like that as well, which, you know, yeah, again, it's to mental health normally. Yeah. But. <sighs> Joe, over no, to mine, you. Mine seems mine seems flippant. Now. I know, I know it does. <laughs> I thought we needed to back out of that cul-de-sac. <laughs> Yeah, I was just we, me and David were talking about meeting you, and wanted really wanted to know what point did you know you you were, I guess, tough enough to do it, basically, because 
Because I can't imagine having to put myself in any danger. Do you know what? I'm not. I'm not that tough. I think. I think a lot of it is uh... well, comparatively to the two gentlemen you're talking about. You're very, you're very much <laughs> head and shoulders. Not, I'm not pointing any fingers, but um... <laughs> if, if we're in a ring, if we're in a ring, I would be in a. I'd yeah. be curled up in a ball, and David would. Be yeah. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, first of all, you are someone who either takes to it or doesn't. Certainly when you're working out in the Middle East and that, you've got to be up for it. And if you're not, then it's probably, you know, we did have your guy, but maybe in fact, when I first took that job in the Middle East, they show you a video. Um, and it was a video in Iraq, in, in Northern Iraq. And at the time, a couple of American private security contractors were ambushed um, and dragged from their vehicle, set on fire and hung from a flyover and that was all televised and videoed at the time so the the company that we worked for showed you that video and they showed you it just to say look this is what you're getting into if it's not for you not saying that's going to happen to you but you know if it's not for you sorry simon so the guys that ambushed them would feel filmed all of that yeah it was on television you said yeah it was yeah and all not all these websites and that yeah uh, blackwater Mm. at the time was the name of the company it's not around anymore but um and you looked at that and just said, and there was a couple of guys that were, thought, do you know what, I've got, you know, and rightly so, I've got wife and children. I don't think this is the place for me to go. Um, I don't just come back from there, the military anyway, so I'll be honest, it didn't make a difference to me. But, yeah, so I think you either get on with it or you don't get on with it. But you just handle, um, you don't really know how you're going to handle a situation until you do it. And that's why sometimes it's quite important that you're in the military because if you're not very good at handling a situation and you're in the army, You've got another hundred people with you. You've got air support. You've got tanks. It's fine. You don't want to be not very good at handling the situation when you're looking after someone because not only are you looking after them, you're looking after yourself as well. Because if you get injured, you can't look after them. So it's not, I always used to think, this is my personal opinion. This is not everybody's, but my opinion is that you should be tried and tested really before you go and do the job. And the only way to really do that is probably be an ex police officer or an ex soldier. Now, there are people that do it but aren't X anything, but there's a, there's a place for all them people. So if you used to work in the UK, perfectly fine. You know, a lot of them are, are very, very good, the bodyguards in the UK. Who've, but as soon as you start working with firearms and out in the Middle East um, or anything like that, experience is, you've got to have it because you, you're in the wrong, I, I imagine I was looking after you, David, and I, I you know, I shit myself when you're looking at me. You, you're so your bodyguards now looking scared. Mm. What to do? It's not, you know, it's lots of times I was scared, but I always used to be. When I get scared, I laugh, which doesn't help because it makes me look like a bit of a nutter. But <laughs> yeah. I always yeah. I look like I'm enjoying it almost. Yeah, that would yeah, scare yeah. the shit out of me if you're in danger. Yeah, God, yeah. God Simon's Simon's, Simon's laughing, God, laughing yeah. again. Must be something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Everybody yeah. hit the deck. Yeah. Simon's giggling. But I, that's you know because oh. I always speak, if anyone people look at me and I always just say but it's going to be fine don't worry about it it's going to be fine just listen to what I'm going to tell you to do just make sure you do what I tell you to do it's going to be fine but in my head I'm thinking oh I see it we've had it here it's just not really going to work out at all well but uh, yeah that's that's you've got to have that capacity to be able to look after someone I think and do you do any any sort of stuff like that now like are you completely out of the I still, so I still own a private security company but I've been acting for the last three years oh right so I although I still You're own acting yeah, I've been doing film work the last three years, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I get really actually, nervous I've acting. I've done it for years. You get nervous? Um, the first time I ever done it, 2010, I was still a working bodyguard, and I did like a bit of, um, I got asked to go out to 
Morocco on a on a yeah. film called The Green Zone, which is a Matt Damon, Paul Greengrass movie. It's a, it's a yeah, it's a military. Yeah, film. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big old film. That yeah, it was a big film. Yeah, it's my ever, my first ever film I was involved. God, in. Jumping with both feet. Yeah, um, yeah. it's a bit like doing Jackson for my first security job in London. Really, so I didn't do a comedy yeah. black. Yeah. And then... <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, I I played a U.S. Special Forces soldier in that. Um, but I didn't really push it that much because I was still a working bodyguard and being like doing things like with what, what I am doing with you today and, you know, all the other bits and pieces I do. It's not too, I, don't, I can't be famous in the person and I'm looking after, if you like. It's not a very really good idea. So right, right, yeah, ago, yeah. I decided to leave yeah. the industry and, and push on with what I'm doing today. I still own a private security company. Um, but yeah, so I, I did that. I did Sherlock Holmes, with Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law a few years later. I'm watching these films later now. Yeah. Yeah, and I did a few bits BBC ITV. Um, if you had to put them in order of favourite to least favourite, I'll tell you what I did. Is Matt Damon nice? I doubled. Matt Damon, he was all right. Yeah, he wasn't there the whole time. Yeah, yeah he was. Um, <laughs> There's yeah. something going on. Under the <laughs> I actually, um, I doubled for Dave Batista. Now he's a he's a big did guy. You? Who? Sorry, the WWE. The wrestler. Dave Batista, yeah, in the movie Final Score, which was a Piers Brosnan. He's massive. Yeah, I doubled for him. For, for for part of final score of the movie, yeah, quite a few years ago. So I don't. Did you meet things. him then? You obviously had to meet him. No, I didn't meet him because obviously because I'm doubling. Oh, he's doubling. There, really? He's not there. If no, he's I just there. thought he'd be <laughs> like off camera, just <laughs> like Michael Jackson at the awards. Thing, yeah, exactly. Just yeah, Simon Act doubles. going. I'm doing well today. <laughs> so and that's how it all started, really. Yeah, I decided I didn't want to. I sort of finished done everything I wanted to do in security, um, and then I just thought, you know, what, I'll go to acting school, and uh, that's something I wanted to do was that. Um, and I've been pursuing that ever since. Yeah, I kind of finished acting school through the COVID time. I got a bit lucky because it was a school which was allowed to stay open, majority of it. Um, so I, I've done that. And then, um, yeah, I've been cast for a film sometime in the next few months, actually. Great. Have you? So what's your what's the role you really want? What's the perfect film role for you in the future? Um, I'd like to be involved in a Bond movie. Obviously not 007 because you've got to be realistic. I mean, never say never, but um, I'd like to be involved yeah. in a Bond movie somewhere along. In some... A villain? What about a villain? Yeah, even that, in any capacity. Yeah. Not as a hot dog seller, yeah. but in some sort of capacity. <laughs> like, where, you know I'll what take I mean? it. I don't want to be the bloke throwing yeah. it in the air. But, um... I was thinking about being cast as James Bond, just someone getting the call going, you're James Bond. Oh, fuck, am I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The stress of being Why James me? Bond for the next. Why day? me? I know, yeah, it'd be mental, wouldn't it? But I, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. I, I, do you know what? I'd never go at anything within reason. Obviously, I'm quite typecast: yeah. military action, bodyguard, gangster, prison officer, prison um, inmate. You know, so I do get typecast quite well. But I, I would tap dancer. Yeah, uh, yeah, figure, figure skater, all that sort of is normal. Yeah, figure we're like, skater. We've got two peas in a pod. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I'd never go at anything within reason if it sort of yeah. took my you know what i do yeah yeah so that's yeah. what i'm doing now what's, what's acting school like is it useful yeah do you know what yeah i i so i know you've obviously quite a few different people in the industry now and i said in the first place how important is it to go and do it? obviously you know I, it wasn't a performing arts school i didn't do three years of singing and dancing um i i, yeah. I did a just a diploma in screen acting everything i did was screen acting um yeah, I mean, it was useful for me, I would say, just for yeah. time served in front of the camera, dialogue. I mean, I'm all for it learning, remembering dialogue. I get it in the end, but I'm all yeah. for it. I still can't seem yeah. to find a pattern of it for it to go in. Easy what, about that what about that technique, horrible. David? 
the one that Susanna told us about. Was it Susanna? I told Susanna. No, you told Susanna. Right, tell Simon. Yeah, tell me that, please. It blow your mind, this one. Well, I think it it helped you, didn't it? It helped. Honestly, I was like, shit. So if you've got, say, a couple of lines of dialogue. Or big amounts, actually. Yeah. For big amounts, it's really useful. Back and forth with the character. You learn, you write down the first letter of each word. So if if one of your lines is, I have to go to the shops, you write down I-H-T. G. You might you might know this, so you'd learn it like that. Right. Just learn the first letter, yeah, and yeah. somehow it it goes but, in. But just okay. but just by writing it down. Yeah. I, I'm yeah, not writing, making it, doing so, something physical. So, helps. so yeah. David said, just find a. We we found a script from something with a big chunk. Yeah. And it was like five lines. So that's quite a lot. Yeah. 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 And I just wrote down the first letter. First letter of each word. The first letter of each word. And just by writing it down, somehow it all went in and I just read yeah. it back to David. And I was like, fuck. That works. Yeah. yeah. Mad. Do you still do, do that, it ever since. No, I forgot to do it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> but no, I did it on the job I did next. Just did it actually. to prove it worked. <laughs> but I did it, but I didn't feel like in the job I did after, that I didn't have that much tricky stuff well, yes he didn't yeah okay so i didn't really need I've had it, your script that but... i've picked up and i've almost straight away after reading say two pages of script although it not being you know lots of it but it's a lot of sort of backwards and forwards i've it's gone straight in for some reason but then I've, I've picked up other ones where i've looked at it, I was, oh, why can't i get this i just don't you know i wonder if it's to do with the writing whether the writing's not good enough I think when it's good enough it just flows and right. it just goes yeah. in a little bit more but sometimes i also think like if if you have lines that are completely different each time, say say we've got a scene, Simon, and I say something, then my next line's completely different. It's easier to learn than when it's quite similar. Yeah, yeah. If you're say if you said I've said I've got to go to the shops, and then you have to say you must go to the shops or something. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you kind of go, am I saying? Oh, but when it's completely yeah. different, it's easier. Yeah. I think. Yeah. But I don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Welcome to the acting school. Yeah. <laughs> imagine, if, if, imagine if that wasn't a problem, you know, it'd be a good day out, wouldn't it? But yeah, do you know, anything that's easy, everybody would be doing it, wouldn't they? It's, so it's just, yeah. yeah. Learning is a, it is. I saw Dave, I did um, have I Got News for You, and David Tennant was the host. And he uh, had to do the pick, you know, pickups at the end where they, they sort of change something. And oh, yes. Yeah, so, so they sort of set this thing up and they went, um, Oh, uh, do, you want the, do you want it on the autocue? And he went, nah, that's all right. And it was like a monologue. What do you mean? What, he'd learnt it all just from... That he'd re- so they, show, they showed him the monologue that he, they'd changed. Yeah. And they said, oh, do you want to read it? And he, and he went, no, nah, I've got it. Yeah. And I just went, what? Yeah. Yeah. And it was probably like a minute thing. Was, there was, uh, I can't remember the lady's name, played Doc Cotton in EastEnders. Oh, yeah. um, June, June, June. June, yeah. She was famous yeah. in the end because you've been on that show for so long and obviously things like EastEnders, Carnage Street, they're very dialogue heavy, aren't they? Because they stayed into yeah. the film set. You don't get any car chases yeah. or, you know, out, which is a show, everything's yeah. in, isn't it, and close. So yeah. very, yeah. very dialogue and storyline based, those programmes. So there's lots of it. And she, apparently she could look at two or three pages of scripts literally once and just say, let's go. Wow. That'd be nice. She's all those years on a quite a fast pace and it's all multicam as well those shows where you do everything once and it's all from all angles in one no wonder she was in it for donkey's years i've got a safe pair of hands like that yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Who's the actor as well? That's I'm sure we've had this conversation. There's famous actor who has an earpiece and has the lines. Oh, I've heard of him. Yeah, who was that? Was it um, um, Liam Neeson? Is it Liam Neeson? Yeah, a few of them do. It, I think. Well, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he had one in X in Life's Too Short. Think. Oh, that's where yeah. I think they that's fed him the last thing. That's, that must be that's like harder though, isn't it? Someone going. I suppose it depends how often you got to speak because if you have got to speak too quickly, you're, not, you're going to be speaking over someone else telling. Yeah, you a bit of a nightmare. Not listening to what the other person's yeah. saying at all. I know. Uh, great though to get to that, have that profile where you just <laughs> could you please feed it. Can't even bother to. Learn a I'm not. I'm yeah, not going to be asked. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I know. Uh, I watched the uh, Jason Statham Guy Ritchie movie. I can't remember what it's called. The last one. Um, and I, I, I watch, I watch movies quite a lot now. The sort of ones I think I could be in, or what. And when I watch them, I think, like, what character would I realistically be able to play and play well? And then I look at what, how much dialogue did they have, and what is it they had? You know, if the guy starts with a double backflip, I think, well, maybe I wouldn't have been able to do that. <laughs> you know, I look at what, <laughs> what would have suited me in each movie. So you look at, yeah. Um, and I looked at Jason Statham's last movie, and I think his longest part of dialogue was about I don't know, two, three lines. The rest of it was all, yes, over here, get down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Lovely. <laughs> Is this what I mean? So I thought, yeah, there's the shops. And he's yeah, yeah, lovely. Millions and what millions. What about um, Vinnie Jones had a, I think after he did a couple of British films, he did an American film where he played a mute. Oh, I haven't seen that one. And I was like, you, Jeremy Bucker. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, yeah. I mean, great. Right, that's just pure acting, and that's the end of it. Yeah, you'd rock up with two minutes to go, wouldn't you? He just flew law and order, I think, before Christmas. He's just come back from New York. Right, right, right. What? Well, Vinnie Jones is in Law and yeah, Order. Yeah, he's had a mad life, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's had some. Yeah. but again, he's another one, and he's quite typecast. Before, he, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. That's why I say I'm 44 years old now. I'm not starting from 21. If I was 21, I might have been a bit more of an all rounder, but at my age and I'm happy with what I'm doing and obviously guns and running around and stuff like that anyway it's not it's not so much yeah. for me I just do what I used to do yeah so you know I'm happy on that street <laughs> thank you so much for coming on Simon this has been great fun Simon yeah thank loved you. it really interesting <laughs> really interesting really nuts I mean, I've, got yeah. tons, and, uh, I've got tons more but it literally does it go on all day to be honest <laughs> it, you know yeah well we, we yeah we we obviously went Michael Jackson heavy that's alright you talk well, I went panic room about. heavy to be fair <laughs> <laughs> we didn't. We didn't talk about. We didn't talk about. Um, yeah, your your figure as much as I thought we would. But <laughs> speaks for itself, to be honest with you. Speaks yeah, exactly. Itself. That's a constant yeah, pursuit of um, dieting, training, and um, I mean, again, with the film stuff now, it, it it gives me a bit of a kick up the backside. The days I don't feel like doing it, or and you know yourself, you never know when you're going to get a call. Today you've got nothing. Tomorrow you've got everything. And if I turn yeah. up too out of shape, well, bearing in mind the types of parts I'd probably get. Um, so yeah. it does help me sort of stay sensible year round. In the wintertime, I'm a little bit, at the moment, I'm a little bit sort of body fat heavy just because. Oh, it... Give me a break, Simon. <laughs> well, can, I can see the definition of your shoulders, <laughs> give Simon. Give me a You're break. Yeah, body body fat. That's body fat heavy, son. <laughs> yeah. How are you struggling when you, do your tits bounce up and down when you run? They wobble. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you're all right. Yeah. Yeah, when they're wobbling, it's just uh, fine. It's if they bounce yeah. up and down, not too something about it. No. But it's, a, yeah, as you're older, you get, it's more difficult. It is more difficult. Yeah. But it's still difficult. You still do it. 
Oh, thank you, Simon. Thank you, Simon. Really great. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Right. Thanks think, for yeah, coming really on. Really thanks for coming on. Yeah, much appreciated. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. And good luck with the acting career and everything. Yeah, yeah. I'll see you in the next uh, big Hollywood smash. Yeah. <laughs> I know him. Yeah. Yeah, well, you two are not too bad in that department anyway. Oh, it's dried up, mate. Done... <laughs> 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 yeah. It's dried oh, up. dried up. That was their niches now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. Yes. <laughs> okay. no, been, we've been watching. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Simon. Yeah. No worries. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Look after Cheers. yourself. Nice Cheers, to meet mate. You. Bye. Take care.